Say it with me. God is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. That's who he is. Amen. All of those things are true. Let's uh, bow for a moment of prayer and we'll share the word of God with you. Father, we thank you for, again, for the Christmas season. We thank you that centered in and, and around the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that he be glorified today. We pray, Father God, for uh, utterance to speak. We pray for ears to hear. And we pray for the true meaning of this season. Uh, we give you the glory and honor and praise that you have made a way, and that way is Jesus, and that we have life in him. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, find uh, the prophet Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And I'm going to share a few minutes with you. From that passage, Isaiah 9 and 6. Isaiah 9, classic text for this season, but good at all times, says, For unto us, and we could write, just mark out us and put me to make it personal. For unto me, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. He was born his humanity as a child. His deity as Christ was eternal. He existed long before he was born as a babe in Bethlehem. He created the world, the Bible says, and he, all things were made by the word of his power. But the Bible says the word that was with God and was God became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's what the word Emmanuel means. It means God with us. And thank God into the darkness, into the selfishness, into the sin, the depravity of a man uh, came the light of the world, the glory of God in Christ Jesus to bring life to us. A son is given. It says the government, speaking of his future kingship of the kingdom of God, shall be up on his shoulder. His name, and we've been singing about his name today, shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, excuse me, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And uh, so we're just going to talk about him this morning in brief terms in a, in a way that is simple, but Jesus his name is wonderful this morning. You know, when you wonder at something, uh, you're surprised and amazed at it. And there is uh, that element with what God has done through Christ Jesus. Uh, you know, a popular song says it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it talks about sleigh bells and, you know, roasting chestnuts before an open fire and, you know, jingle bells and trees and decorations and things like that. 
you know, I'm not as impressed by that as I am that Christ became the incarnate Son of God and was born and then died for our sins so that we might have eternal life. Now, I enjoy all the decor and everything, but the reason for the wonder in Christmas is because of the wonder in Christ, and it is a wonderful thing to know and experience his love and his grace and what he's provided for us. So at Christmas time, we acknowledge the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and rightly so. There's many nativity scenes, you know, in the community. Uh, if his birth is all there is to it, if he was born and it ended at his birth, there would be no plan of salvation. The birth was just the entrance. Uh, I read a little story that was titled, Is Jesus Still a Baby? A girl of 10 years age went with a group of family and friends to see the Christmas light displays at various locations throughout the city. At one church, they stopped and got out to look more closely at a beautifully done nativity scene. Isn't that beautiful, said the little girl's grandmother. Look at all the animals, Mary Joseph and baby Jesus. Yes, Grandma, replied the granddaughter. It's really nice, but there's one thing that bothers me. Isn't baby Jesus ever going to grow up? He's the same size as he was last year. So... I think in people's conception, perspective, and mentality about Christmas, uh, Jesus is kept a baby in a manger. But uh, his birth truly was wonderful. Uh, if we read about his birth, his conception in uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, we can't say that it wasn't uh, wonderful. It says in Luke one twenty six. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph to the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, you are highly favored. Um, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, he'll be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she also has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So you couldn't say that this was not a wonderful conception. The angel Gabriel was personally dispatched to Nazareth to announce the, uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ to Mary. 
and uh, it was accompanied by a heavenly message. So it was a wonderful conception. Uh, not only did Jesus have a wonderful conception, we know that angels came. If you read a little bit further down into this passage, that angels came and the glory of God appeared to shepherds as they were keeping the sheep in the fields and announced that there was peace on earth and goodwill toward men and that in Bethlehem a Savior was born. Uh, and so uh, that was a wonderful angelic announcement. This was a wonderful conception. But not only was Jesus' birth wonderful, the Bible also says that his ministry and his growing up uh, into the manhood and to the mission that God had sent him to was wonderful. Luke chapter 2 and verse uh, 40, we read, the next chapter over, the child grew. He didn't stay in the manger. Amen. It says the child grew and he waxed or became strong in spirit. And he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. So his conception was wonderful. Uh, in Matthew 9.35 it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Luke 10.38 first. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Amen. Matthew 9.35 says that, uh, you know, that he went about to all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all that were sick. And so his ministry was wonderful. Luke also said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because he anointed him and that he preached the good news uh, to those that were captive and they were set free. And so we can't just talk about his birth being wonderful. We have to talk about him growing up wonderfully. We talk about his earthly ministry being wonderful. Amen. And his death was wonderful. Uh, the Bible recounts of his death in Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and verse 48 through 51. When Jesus was on the cross here, it says that Straightway one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with vinegar, put it on a reed, and gave him to drink. The rest said, let it let be. Let's see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, or yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. The earth did quake, and the rocks were rent. So the Bible says that when Jesus died, the veil that separated the holy place where God's presence was, uh, that veil was torn. And the indication of that was that God was no longer going to abide or reside in tabernacles made uh, by human hands. And so in his death, the Spirit of God moved out of the tabernacle and moved into our hearts and into our lives. And so his death is wonderful because these things could not have happened until Jesus died. His death is wonderful because it also reveals God's love for you and me. The Bible says in Romans 8, 32, If God spared not his only Son but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? God didn't spare his only begotten son. And so we know that uh, this death was wonderful because it was the proof of God's love for you and I. Amen. We've said this before. You wouldn't go down to the, uh, you know, Casey's store, convenience store, and buy a roll of Lifesavers and lay a $100 bill on the counter and then take the Lifesavers and leave because that wasn't a proper exchange and the Lifesavers wasn't worth that amount of money unless you really were, uh, you know, having a Lifesaver attack. (laughs) Right? And when you want to know the value of something, you look at the price that was paid for it. And uh, to, to know the value that God esteemed us with and, and looked to us uh, toward and valued us and wanted us to the degree he paid the price of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for you and me. So that means that we're precious and valuable to God beyond compare. Uh, Jesus was the most precious thing he had, and he gave the most precious thing that he had. So his death is wonderful. Can you say amen? You know, his name shall be called wonderful. His birth was wonderful, but we're not leaving him in the manger today. His growth, his uh, earthly ministry was wonderful, and his death was wonderful as well. After his death, of course, came his resurrection from the dead. And uh, it's as equally as wonderful. We're in Matthew 27 here in Matthew 28. Verses 1 through 6, it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it came to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, came to the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came down, rolled back the stone from the door, and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. That means they hit the ground. How many of you have ever seen any dead men standing up, right? And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. Can you say amen? For he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So thank God today, the God that we serve is not dead. The baby grew up. The baby became the sacrificial lamb for all of mankind. The baby uh, died, but the the baby rose again. Can you say amen? And uh, death, hell, all the forces of darkness, Satan himself could not keep Jesus from from arising victorious over sin, over the power of death. And today we're celebrating, of course, Christ coming into the earth, but we're also celebrating his death and his resurrection, thank God. Jesus is the risen Savior. Other religions, their, you know, founders are still in the grave. Their bones are rotting, you know, and turned to dust. But Jesus was not kept in the grave. The third day, uh, he's the author of life. The Bible says it was impossible for death to hold him down. 
And today, Jesus has risen triumphant over death, hell, and the grave, and we're celebrating his name as being wonderful, his coming and birth as being wonderful. Of course, his ministry has been wonderful, but his death and his resurrection is wonderful as well. Amen. It causes us to wonder to see the glory of God revealed in Christ Jesus for you and me because he uh, already had the victory. He already was righteous. He already had life. He did everything as he did as a man. He became a man. The Bible calls Jesus the second Adam, and the Bible says in the first Adam, all of us died, but in the second Adam, both the first Adam and second Adam was representative of humankind. In Adam, we all died, but in Christ, the second Adam, we've all been raised to new life. Amen. Ephesians talks about this resurrection. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 mentions his resurrection. Verse 20 of chapter 1 says, talking about Christ, which he wrought in Christ, talking about God the Father, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 6 says, And you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Death in the Bible never means that life ceases. It means separation. If I died physically today, I didn't cease to exist. My spirit just is separated from my body. And the Bible talks about here about being dead in trespasses and sins. That doesn't mean you cease to exist. That means that you're separated from God. And the sin nature that we uh, have and that we inherited in Adam's sin is what separates us from God. He said, you who were past tense dead in trespasses and sins were in times past. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our lifestyle in times past, in the desires of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, amen, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened or made alive us together with Christ by grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this is truly an amazing, wonderful resurrection because Christ was representative and representative of each one of us and in that God raised him up after he had made him with our sin, he raised us up together and uh, put away all the penalty for our sins, and now we have life through the Father giving him life. So it is a wonderful resurrection because he's alive. Immediately after his resurrection in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, talking about how wonderful Jesus is, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power or authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. 
All power is given unto him today. So it was a wonderful resurrection. He immediately delegated that power to the church and said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And lastly, we would be remiss in not saying and bringing our attention in the Christmas season, not only that his conception is wonderful, his ministry was wonderful, his death was wonderful, his resurrection was wonderful, but his second coming is also wonderful. The Bible teaches us that he came the first time to put away our sins and that he's coming back a second time, not a myth, not a fable. Just as surely as he came the first time, and it's a historical fact, he is coming a second time. This time he will not come to be associated with sin. He will not come to be rejected and to be beaten and to be crucified. Uh, he will come back to rule and reign as the glorious almighty King of kings and Lord of lords. What he accomplished through his first coming he will come back to complete with his second coming. He'll always be the lamb that died for us, but he's coming back as the line of the tribe of Judah. And he will set up his kingdom. He will raise the dead from the grave physically. He'll bring those that have died with, in Christ with him. And uh, he will usher in an everlasting righteous kingdom. And uh, we will rule and reign with him and be with him throughout eternity. So he is exceedingly wonderful today. Can you say amen? Let's read uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, talking about how wonderful his uh, second coming is. Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, after he had been raised from the dead, uh, <clears throat> verse uh, 9 says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, angels, which also said, Men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus... Say it with me, this same Jesus. This same Jesus, uh, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So the angel said that just the same Jesus that went up into heaven will be coming back from heaven for us. Amen. The Father said he was coming back. Jesus himself said he was coming back. The angels said he was coming back. The Holy Spirit witnesses he's coming back. And the church, uh, as his witness and bride says, he is quickly coming again soon. And every eye shall behold him. Can you say amen? First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. Say it with me. Jesus is wonderful in birth, conception, ministry, in death, 
in resurrection and in his second coming. So it's a far cry. Like the little girl said, you know, why hadn't Jesus got any bigger than a, a babe in a manger? I believe the Lord wants to become bigger to all of us in this Christmas season. So if you've left him as a babe in a manger, let him be not only the babe in the manger, let him be the forgiver of your sins, the healer of your body, the shepherd of your soul to guide and direct you, the one that will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Uh, let's not just leave him the babe in the manger. He's wonderful in all of his aspects of life. The birth was only his entrance into the whole realm of our life. Amen? Uh, we were going to First Thessalonians chapter 4. Here is the babe in the manger that grew up, rose from the dead, ascended up to heaven, telling us what will transpire in the near future. First um, Thessalonians chapter 4 and uh, verse 16. The reason I'm having trouble with that is because I'm in the book of Timothy instead of... <laughs> of course, that's my favorite book, and so... <laughs> I'm teasing. First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant. God doesn't want us to be ignorant. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, Paul used that vernacular to describe the, their dying physically. Uh, he said they're asleep in the sense that they're going to be awakened in the future. Right? He said, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, the Christians at Thessalonica had been told that Christ was coming back, but some of them had died in the meantime physically. And so they're wondering you know about this so Paul explains this to him he said uh, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep if you've had loved ones that have passed on from this life then uh, this is very very encouraging and very very comforting to know what will transpire in the future he said I'll not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not it would bring sorrow if we would never be able to see them again. But death is not uh, permanent. Death is, is temporal. And it's a transition from this life to the next life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be present in the body is to be absent from the Lord. He said, if I depart and go to be with Christ, it's far better. So the Bible doesn't teach that a person is dead like a dog or that he enters into soul sleep. The Bible teaches that we're both spirit and body and that the inner man, the real us, uh, is the body is only the house we live in. And uh, that when we depart this body, uh, they may bury our body, but we depart to be with Christ. I mean, it's just like, you know, space 
uh, astronauts need a, a spacesuit to uh, to function in the environment of space. You need a, an Earth suit to function in the environment of Earth. Are you still here? But heaven is a real place. It's as real as Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Chicago, Illinois, or New Orleans, Louisiana, or New York City, or or, or San Francisco or L.A., it's a real place, only a whole lot nicer. And if loved ones have died and have trusted Christ as their personal Savior, uh, they're there with the Lord in his presence. But he's going to come back, and they are going to come back with him. So we can talk about the babe in the manger, but let's talk about today before we go what some more significance of Christmas is. Let's talk about the mighty King of kings and Lord of lords that will set up his kingdom, and that's Lord of death and hell and the grave, and will call all the dead from the grave just as he did Lazarus. You know, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Somebody said that he had to qualify that specifically, specifically to Lazarus because if he had said all, oh, just come forth, everybody would have come forth. Are you still here? And he is going to call the dead in Christ from the grave. Can you say amen? And this is what makes the coming of the babe in the manger so wonderful is because he's also the returning king of kings. You can't leave out any part of redemption when you talk about Christ the Redeemer being born in Bethlehem. Can you say man? So it says, I would not have you ignorant concerning them that are asleep, that you sorrow not, so no sorrow. I know some of you have had loved ones go home to be with the Lord this past year or so. But he said, don't sorrow as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, now, that is conditional upon our believing that, that he died and rose again. How many believe Jesus died and rose again? Then the rest of this is true if you believe that. Even so, them which are asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He's going to bring them all back with him. Amen. And if he tarries his coming and some of us go to be with him, before he returns, we will come back with him. Amen. Uh, he said, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord had been given directly to Paul, that we which are alive and remain. Paul at that time included himself in we because he was expecting the Lord to come. How many are expecting the Lord to come for you? Amen. Uh, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or hinder or hold back them which are asleep. So uh, we're not going to be the first in order if we are alive and remain. For the Lord himself, not some other person, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ, there's you a good in him scripture, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead will rise from the grave, never to die again. 
eternally in the youth of spiritual life. No decay, no curse. Amen. Glory to God. They'll rise first, then succeeding or after, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. You don't want to miss out on this. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the ones that live and remain will be caught up. This is also where the word rapture comes from, what rapture means to be caught up. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in this reunion with the Lord in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Can you say amen? So the dead in Christ are going to be raised from the dead, and we're going to watch that transpire before our very eyes. And then those which are uh, alive and remain will, you know, be caught up and be joined with them in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Can you say amen? So thank God his birth was wonderful. We're not taking anything away from his birth at Christmas. But his ministry was wonderful. The sick were healed. The dead were raised. The leper was cleansed. People were blessed and healed through the anointing on Christ's life. And then, of course, uh, not only that, but his death was wonderful. And his resurrection was wonderful. But thank God, his second coming is also wonderful. Can you say amen? So this is the most wonderful time of the year. I briefly tried to tell you the real reason why it's the most wonderful time of the year. And so the wonder of all a virgin giving birth causes us to wonder. The dead being raised causes us to wonder. The king splitting the heavens and coming back for us brings wonder. And to those that believe and look for him, the Bible said they will be resurrected and joined with him. And the whole reason for the Christmas season is that we needed to have someone to die for us that was sinless to take our place. Jesus died as the Lamb of God, as our substitute, and all the sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. God is a holy God, and sin cannot exist in his presence. And so that had to be canceled out. The good news of peace on earth, goodwill toward men, is that Christ has come and canceled that debt. He, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't know. But thank God the good news at Christmas time is the debt is canceled and paid. And a way, we've been singing Waymaker this morning, a way has been made for us to come back to God and be his sons and his daughters and to be born again, receive eternal life, the nature of God through what Jesus did. Amen. Every head bowed, every eyes closed this morning. If this Christmas is to be everything that this Christmas should be uh, personally between you and the Lord, then that means that your heart needs to be uh, where and in the condition that he came to make it. 
And so we're going to pray a simple prayer this morning. If it's a desire of your heart to make Jesus your personal Savior or recommit your life to the Lord, in his love, he stands with open arms drawing you to him this Christmas. Uh, Pray this with me if you mean it out of your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the coming of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he died personally for my sins, that he was punished and judged in my place, that those sins were canceled in his work on Calvary, and that after that penalty had been paid in full, you raised him from the dead, and that now You've appointed him King of kings, Lord of lords, the judge of all men after this life. I confess him as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for making me your child, for giving me eternal life, for forgiving me. And I give you glory this Christmas with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, it's simple, but it's wonderful. (laughs) Can you say amen? Glory to God. We again thank you for worshiping with us today. If you'd like to talk to someone, if you made a commitment to the Lord this morning and you'd like to talk to someone, we have people that'd like to meet with you, uh, put some materials in your hand to help you grow spiritually and follow up on you. And uh, when we're dismissing and going out, if you'll come forward, there'll be folks up here that would love to meet with you. And the Bible says if you do make a commitment for Christ that you are to do it boldly and unashamedly and that you are to tell someone about what God has done in your life. Amen? Praise God. Are we going to sing again? Praise God. If everyone would stand. Beautiful baby dedication. Congratulate the parents and families of these little ones today. And uh, we're going to sing and then we'll uh, dismiss. This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website, www.faithbuilderschurch.net.